The Golden Grizzlies Podcast is powered by Hitachi Automotive Systems and GreatEngineeringCareers.com. The Golden Grizzlies Podcast is your home to all your Oakland Golden Grizzlies news, updates, interviews, and Greg Cappy's Coaches Show replays. Your home for Golden Grizzlies basketball is Detroit's 1130 WDFN. The Fan. Now, it's time for the Greg Campy Show, live from the Red Ox Tavern, on your home for Golden Grizzlies basketball, Detroit's 1130 WDFN, The Fan. Here's Coach Greg Campy and the voice of the Golden Grizzlies, Neil Rule. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Red Ox Tavern. We are live off of Walton across the street from the campus of Oakland University. He is the coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Happy to have you along here on your home for Golden Grizzlies basketball, Detroit's 1130 a.m. WDFN, the fan. And coach got an action-packed show lined up for everybody here tonight. Gary Parrish from CBS Sports is going to join us right off, right out of the kick here. Yeah, he's really... We're lucky that he can do this. He's on uh, live tonight on CBS Sports Network, and he, but he's not going on until about 7.20, so he said he'd jump on with us right now. So I think we should try and get him on and get going. Yeah, absolutely, and we're out to him right now. It should just be a matter of seconds before we get Gary Parrish on. But, Coach, you know, real quickly as, as they get Gary on the line right now, our producer Dave Bettini back in the WDFN studios. Uh, big weekend for you guys, a couple of road wins real quickly. Yeah, we're coming off a great week. Um, Anytime you go on the road in league play and win, and you win two, uh, especially the way things have been going for us, that you know you, you got to feel really good about where you're going and what you're doing. And it was two must wins if we're going to stay and compete for the championship. Uh, we got a break in the Valpo lost at Green Bay, which I kind of thought was going to happen anyways. It's it's very difficult in this league to to rip through. They had won eight in a row, and obviously that's going to change. So um, we're we're there in it. Um, you know, we we played really really well defensively at cleveland state on saturday and we played very very well offensively on thursday at uh, youngstown maybe we can put both those together this week you know speaking of valpo and the green bay game were you surprised at the way green bay was i mean they handled them in that basketball game no i'm not i'm not surprised at all by it i mean in in league play you see that all all the time i mean what kansas well look what happened to arizona at oregon i mean you you league it's it's a long grind and you're gonna have nights the ball doesn't go in and the other team's playing great so and right now as promised we are joined by gary parish of cbs you can follow him on twitter at gary parish cbs also host a talk show on 92.9 fm in memphis uh aptly named the gary parish show gary thanks for taking some time here on the greg campy show how are you tonight it's my pleasure i guess greg and i we don't get too uh creative with the names right just put our name in it and call it tonight well, I, I can understand yours, uh, but with me after a loss, I kind of wish it wasn't on there sometimes. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Hey, Gary, we don't have much time. I mean, you don't have much time for us, so I want to kind of get into it right away. Uh, Isaiah Brock uh, was just named yesterday the player of the week in the Horizon League, and he was also named freshman of the week in his first time in Horizon League history that a player had been named freshman of the week and player of the week. And you know, if things go well for us and we somehow find our way into the NCAA tournament, I, I think our fan base may vote you as the MVP of the season for us. <laughs> well, that's really nice, man. I, uh, I you know, I, I, I write a lot of stories every single year, and that was one of the ones I was most anxious to write and one of the ones I was uh, most pleased with. A, it's just an amazing story. I mean, we, uh, you know, we, we talk about how much we appreciate our veterans all the time and how much we appreciate people who, 
you know, make the ultimate sacrifice for our country. But the truth is, um, the, the stories just kind of blur together. We, we so rarely focus on the details. And, you know, they have those conversations I had with Isaiah where he's telling me exactly what he's seen and what he's gone through. And then the idea that somebody in the NCAA somewhere would want to put another hurdle in front of him. Greg, you and I have talked about this before. The, you know, this is a young man who should should be in NCAA commercials. They should be celebrating him as as uh, the best representative of, of what this organization is going to be about, uh, be, because he is that exactly. And that was all before we even knew, and I think this is true for you as, as well, before we even knew that he was going to be a relevant basketball player in the Horizon League. And you look up now, and he's the reigning player of the week. Um, it, it just makes it an even better story. So I was uh, thankful that, that Isaiah let me tell it and happy that it, it, it you know, perhaps, made a difference in the way the NCAA ruled because uh, they didn't get it right at first, but they got it right ultimately. Well, there's no question that your story changed that. I mean, it was it was a lower-level person that probably didn't, you know, fairly new at the organization and didn't really look into what they were ruling on. And then once your story came out, uh, that got the attention of everybody over there. And obviously within a week he was he was ruled eligible, as he should be. And um, C- you're actually CBS Sports was uh, – in our practice today, they're doing a story for the NSA tournament on him, which I thought was pretty cool. And one of the things they asked me is, you know, you said you didn't think he was going to play a lot and that. And and the truth of the matter is I didn't. I, I, I really thought that he'd be a couple minutes and learn how to play. But uh, I don't know if this shows my age or not, but he reminds me of the chief on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, man. I mean, every possession he just had the lights on in his eyes, and he just gets better and better every day. And it's, it's been an amazing story. It's, it's an amazing story, even if he never played a minute. And like I said, the idea that he's now a relevant basketball player, somebody who is uh, making a difference game after game after game. I mean, like, really, is there a better story in college basketball this season? I know, and I'm guilty of this as well. You know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about Harry Giles because he's a projected lottery pick, or at least he was once upon a time. And we spend a lot of time focusing on, you know, Grayson Allen tripping people. And we spend a lot of time on – you know, Kentucky's ups and downs. But so often you find the best stories, um, you know, off of off of the power conference radar. And this is undeniably one of them. I, like I said before, and I don't mean to repeat myself, but I mean it so sincerely. Um, I write a lot of stuff, and a lot of it is just, you know, there's, a, there's an audience for it, and it's fine. You read it. I hope you enjoy it, and then you move on. But it, it is not often that you get to write something that you feel like actually – makes a difference in somebody's life, you know, and the idea, and I'll just accept what you say is true, the idea that I was able to write a story that helped Isaiah uh, get what he deserves and be eligible to compete and play and take advantage of this, and, and you deserve some credit for this, amazing opportunity that you gave him. Nobody else is going to. You gave him this. Um, the idea that I had even a small role in that, it, it really does, uh, it, it made me smile then. It makes me smile now as I'm, as I'm retelling Gary Parrish joining us here of CBS. You can follow him on Twitter at Gary Parrish CBS. Also hosts the Gary Parrish Show on 92.9 FM in Memphis. And, and Gary, what about that with Isaiah Brock? Uh, I asked Coach this in, in one of our post-game interviews a couple of weeks back, uh, right after the time Brock kind of aggravated a, an injury with his leg. And, and we saw the play of the Golden Grizzlies take a dip in, in Isaiah Brock's absence. 
I said, especially at the mid-major level, this guy may be one of the most valuable freshmen in the country, especially at the mid-major level, just given what he means to this basketball team. And, and while you brought that up, certainly none of us saw this coming. I mean, player of the week, freshman of the week in the same week. I don't think anybody really saw this coming. It was a great story, but as it turns out, this kid can play a lot. You know what's interesting is that I would argue it's more difficult to win player of the week as a freshman in the Horizon League than it is, say, in the Pac-12 or the SEC. And here's why. Those leagues are going to get one-and-done stars every year. Like, there's going to be a one-and-done superstar in the power, in basically every Power 5 league every single year. And so, by definition, they should be. Those people, you know, whether we're talking about Malik Monk in the SEC or Markel Fultz in the Pac-12, those people are supposed to be the most talented people in college basketball because they're the only ones basically obligated to still be in school even if they're good enough or talented enough to be in the nba everybody else can leave after one year and so you look up and and uh, you know uh you know malik monk or De'Aaron fox or bam out of bio any of the kentucky guys are player of the week in the sec that's not surprising they're the most talented guys in that league uh, because the other you know the, the other guys who were talented in that league last year they're already gone to the nba you look up and jo- josh jackson's the player of the week in the Big 12. Well, of course, he's a projected top three pick. But you go into a league like the Horizon League where it is mostly built around. The better teams are going to be usually veteran teams, not teams with a bunch of freshmen. Um, The idea that you could walk into a league like that, and I don't have to tell you about some of the talented upperclassmen who are in that league, and even if it's just for a week, win that honor, that is an amazing accomplishment, and it is worth worth all of the attention it's getting. I, I agree 100% with you. I really hadn't thought of it that way, but that does make a lot of sense. Well, that's why we get smart guests on this yeah, show, so you can help us think, right? Yeah. Hey, Gary, uh, what really the people that are listening want to know is we're a month away from Selection Sunday and in that, and, you know, I can't I can't go and say this team sucks or this team's great or whatever. You know, I can't do that on the show, but you can. And they want to know. They want to know as they get ready to fill out their brackets, what do you what do you foresee here as – maybe number one seeds as maybe especially who the sleeper team is, the team that can win you some points in your pool and get you to the Sweet 16, and then maybe ultimately that one team that, you know, that 12-5 upset or something like that. What do you what do you know? What do you see? Well, you know, they've got that uh, selection show preview coming up on Saturday where the actual selection committee is going to unveil their top four seeds in each region. We've never had that before, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, but it will also be important to remember – um, it will change by Saturday night. And so I, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to say is my number one seed right now would probably be Gonzaga, Villanova, Kansas, and Baylor. You know, remember, you don't have to win your league to, to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But I ultimately think uh, the second-place team in the Big 12, whether that's Kansas or Baylor, isn't going to get there. It'll be somebody else, probably an ACC champion, somebody like North Carolina or Virginia. Um, I do think three of those teams are going to hold up, though. Gonzaga, Villanova, and let's just say Kansas, because I think those three teams are going to win their leagues, and they've got impressive enough resumes already where it's going to be hard to pass them for uh, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And this past week was a great example of how important resume is in terms of building some space between you and the rest of the nation, because Kansas and Baylor both lost home games, and they barely dropped in the AP poll. Why? 
because if you look at the resumes, yeah, you don't want to lose those games they lost on Saturday, but they're still, in terms of quality wins, so far ahead of the rest of the pack, there was no rational reason to actually drop them. I'll tell you, I'm a big believer in Gonzaga. I, I can't promise you that they're going to get to a Final Four because the single elimination tournament of 40-minute basketball games is unpredictable by nature, but they're good enough to do it, and I'd like to see that for Mark, if only because people hold that against this program forever. You know, the idea that they've never been there is like a big deal. I've noticed this as a trend over the over the past few years. You know, when, when Kansas is a one seed and gets bounced in the Elite Eight, nobody says Kansas didn't deserve their one seed. Or when Duke's a one seed and they get bounced in the round of 32, nobody says Duke didn't deserve their one seed. They weren't really that good to begin with. They say, hey, what are you going to do? That's the NCAA tournament. That's March Madness. But if you're Gonzaga and you get a one seed and you get bounced early, it is an indictment of your entire season. They, people say things about you that they don't say about the power conference schools. And for that reason alone, I would love to see Mark's team finally break through because they are good enough to do it, regardless of whether they actually do it or not. And then uh, let's start with the teams that were, you know, first and second in the preseason eight people, and that's Duke and Kentucky. Neither one of them have been what they were supposed to be for, for different reasons. But the truth is, and Greg, I don't have to tell you this, uh, talent still trumps everything in this sport. The ta- most talented team doesn't always win it, uh, but the most talented team has, has always got a chance to. And those are still the two most talented teams. And so this isn't the premier league where a bunch of early losses can eliminate you from a championship. Ultimately, uh, whether you're a one seed or a 16 seed or an eight seed or whatever, we're going to place you in a bracket of a single elimination tournament and it's time to go. And you've got a chance. And as you know, we've seen Kentucky and Duke both turn it on late and let their talent overwhelm opponents, even when they haven't had the best regular season. And I still won't be surprised if that's the case this season as well. Keep in mind, uh, I, I did a story on this earlier, and I thought it was interesting because I, I had never crunched the numbers before. But if you look at uh, John Calipari's teams that have relied on freshmen to score in excess of 60% of their points, there's been three previously, um, 2011, 2013, 2014. They, all, all three of them took six SEC losses. In other words, they're relying on freshmen so much that there were bumps in the road. But two of those teams ended up going to the Final Four anyway because it eventually – flip the switch. I say that because here's the truth. Right now, this Kentucky team is relying on freshmen to score 68% of its points. It's the second most ever that John's had at Kentucky. So they are struggling like those previously teams mentioned, but there is precedent to suggest that they are capable of flipping a switch and still getting to the Final Four, maybe winning the whole thing. So I know some folks have written Kentucky's obituary already, and I can understand why on some level because they haven't looked good lately. But that talent is still talent. When you've got lottery picks in the backcourt, you've got a chance. And so I wouldn't rule them out quite yet. Gary Parrish joining us here from CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Gary Parrish, CBS, host of the Gary Parrish Show on 92.9 FM in Memphis. So, Gary, let me piggyback on, on something that you were talking about with Gonzaga. And, you know, our, our fans here, fans of mid-major basketball all the way around, does Gonzaga have to do that? Do they have to go to the Final Four to validate everything? I mean, there, there's a lot on the line for this Gonzaga team in this tournament postseason. You, you know who cares about that uh, less than anybody else on the planet? Mark Few. He just really doesn't, and I, I think Greg would back me up on this. Like, Mark's a different guy. Like, he, we always talk about balance in life. You know, you hear coaches all the time. Like, you got to have balance in life. I say it all the time in my life. I need to have more balance in my life. But most of us 
uh, we don't have balance in our life. You know, if you want to be successful, like Greg's been successful for a long time, like Mar- like most coaches that, that are successful in this sport, you, you really you sacrifice something on the other side because it, it is a grind, and if you're not working every day, somebody else is. But Mark is like the exception to that rule. Like, he really does have balance in life, and so I, I know he wants to go to a Final Four, and I know he likes the idea that his team's ranked number one in the country, but if he gets beat because another team makes 14 three-pointers on him in a 40-minute game, he'll go fishing the next day and not think about it ever again. I saw him down at the Final Four a few years ago after they were a one seed, and I believe they lost to, I want to say it was Wichita State, but it might have been somebody else. But either way, they were one seed, and they got popped. And I, like, saw him, and I said, hey, man, you know, tough luck. Is, you know, I hate that for you. And he said, hey, you know, what are you going to do? They hit, I think they hit, like, 13 three-pointers on him. He said, you know, if another team does that, it's just you're going to lose. If we do that to somebody, we could beat anybody. It, it is what it is. He didn't seem bothered. So I don't think he cares, but it is true from this perspective. Uh, fans, outside of Gonzaga fans, all take Gonzaga seriously, but they do not they, – they always push back if you try to rank them very highly, and certainly number one. They say, hey, you guys do this every year. Tell us about how this is the year, and they've literally never actually done it. Wake me up when they do. So from that perspective, I do think it's important for them to finally break through, if only because it will prevent people from holding that against them forever. You know what, though, oh, Gary? How many teams do? I mean, That's how many great team. coaches out there have coached their whole lives and not gotten to a Final Four? No, I mean, I mean that, it, that, it, it, that, it's more than that has. You know, and, and like, um, I was talking to Bob Huggins about this about a month ago in advance of his 800th win. And Huggins, of course, has been to two Final Fours, but he never won a national championship. And he probably should have or at least would have in 2000 if Kenyon Martin doesn't break his leg. And so right. Huggins told me he was on a, um, you know, and like, it, how about this? Like, I, it changes everybody's legacy. You know, if, if in 2000 Kenyon Martin doesn't break his leg, Bob Huggins probably is a national championship coach right now, which by definition means Tom Izzo wouldn't be a national championship coach right now. It literally changes everybody's legacies because of that broken leg. And so Hunt told me he was uh, on a coaching panel somewhere with Denny Crum. And and somebody asked Denny Crum, former Louisville coach, of course, Hall of Famer, what does it take to win a national championship? And Denny's answer was this. He said, you got to be lucky and you can't be unlucky. That, that, yeah, like, yeah you've got to have the team that can do it, but even with the team that can do it, you've got to catch a break along the way, and then you can't be on the wrong side of a break somewhere. And almost every national championship team, except for, like, Roy's 2019 that ran everybody off the court, maybe John Calipari's 2012 team in recent history, basically every national champion, if you go back and track their path from round of 64 to cutting the nets on the first Monday in April, there's a moment in a game somewhere where the ball bounced their way, where something went their way, and without that kind of moment, it is very difficult to win a championship. Well, you know, Gary, it's that for, you know, every level, because I would tell you this. In 2011, I had the best team I ever had, and I had a kid, 6'11 kid that was drafted, and that was a team that could win NCAA tournament games. And Texas was the number one, ranked number one in the country with two weeks left in the regular season. And they fall to a four seed with two losses, which makes no sense at all. And we get them. And they've got Tristan Thompson, who's the only guy in the country that could guard my big guy. Right. I mean, and, 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 
the whole legacy, Oakland may have two, three NCAA tournament wins, and instead we lose by four to a team that's got three NBA first guys, round, yeah. three first round picks on that team. No, and, it's, and, it's, it's yeah, no, it changed. sometimes it is strictly about matchups. I'll tell you this story: um, you know, Josh Pastner, who was the coach at the University of Memphis for a long time, now is the coach at Georgia Tech. Like he got just like destroyed by Memphis fans who continued to point out that he had never been to a Sweet 16, which is true, never been to a Sweet 16, went to four NCAA tournaments. They were like, always fell short. Well, go look at the guys he got beat by in the NCAA tournament. One year it was Sean Miller. One year it was Tom Izzo. One year it was Rick Majerus. One year it was Tony Bennett. In four straight NCAA (laughs) tournaments, he ran into guys who were like maybe Hall of Fame-level coaches. Like, like right. Tom obviously is in the Hall of Fame. So, like, you talk to Josh, he'll tell you, I'm a young coach coaching against Rick Majerus. Like, get out of here. Like, what am I supposed right. to do? Tony Bennett, Tom Izzo, um, Sean Miller. Like, he ran into four heavyweights. And, you know, then you look at, and I don't mean to, to throw Conzo under the bus, but Conzo Martin was is a Sweet 16 coach. He's got that under his belt. Well, how did he do that? You know how? Duke got upset in the round of 64 of the NCAA tournament. So right. rather than having to play Duke in the second round, he got to play C.J. McCollum's team. Yeah. yeah, or no, it was uh, Belmont, the, the Citadel, man. What, what, what no, it wasn't Belmont. It was uh, a team down in the south there, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to play uh, like a right. – they were suddenly a favorite. Oh, I think it was Lehigh. Lehigh. Yeah, Lehigh. Lehigh. It was exactly Lehigh, yeah. Hey, I know you got to go, Gary, but I want to ask real quick because there's a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people listening to this aren't just Golden Grizzly fans. They they like the Michigan teams. Sure. Mi- Michigan State, Michigan, are they in the tournament? I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think you know, obviously that was a big night for Michigan last night. The, the, the thing that I would say is this. If you're even close to the bubble right now, you've got a shot because you start looking at the teams that are considered – Last four in, first four out, next four out. You look at the resumes and you go, wow, there's not much there. Really? That team's going to go into play tournament? In other words, typically the mid-majors, um, and I'm, I mean, maybe not mid-majors is the right word, but the Mountain West and the American Athletic Conference and, you know, uh, leagues like that used to, once upon a time, Missouri Valley would have enough teams to put multiple teams in each year, sometimes two, three. Yeah. The American Atlantic got 10. five one year. Atlantic right. 10 is another great right. example. Every one of those leagues is down in this particular year. So if you are even a mediocre team in a power conference, you've got a chance. So even though neither one of those seasons, Michigan State or Michigan, has gone the way Tom or John wanted them to go, uh, they still got an opportunity just because the bubble's so soft and we've got to. People forget this sometimes. doesn't matter if you're good or bad. Here's the truth. Got to put 68 teams in the thing no matter what. You find them however you can find them. All right, well, Gary, we certainly do appreciate you, especially up against it, doing some stuff for CBS. Appreciate you stopping by, and uh, as always, man, a wealth of knowledge, and we'll catch back up with you down the road. You guys are awesome to have me. Thanks so much. I'll see you. All right, Gary, thanks. That was Gary Parrish of CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Gary Parrish CBS, uh, host of Gary Parrish Show on 92.9 FM in Memphis, and that guy is college basketball coach. Yeah, he knows his stuff. That was great that he would be on the show. Again, you know, if it wasn't for him, Isaiah Brock wouldn't be playing. And uh, I don't, you know, he was very humble about that. But I absolutely, it was him. That story, you know, caused a, a, a ruckus all through the country, and uh, everybody got to know who Isaiah Brock was. So we probably got to go to commercial or what? Absolutely. And speaking of Isaiah Brock, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about him. Talk about the weekend you guys had: big road wins over Youngstown State and Cleveland State, back-to-back double doubles for Isaiah Brock that led to him being the Horizon League Player of the Week as well as the Horizon League 
Freshman of the Week. We'll talk about all that. Don't forget, you can tweet your questions with the hashtag AskCampy. We'll be firing through those as the show goes on as well. Still a lot to get to. Don't go anywhere. This is the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. We are live at the Red Ox Tavern. I'm here with Cameron Evans, founder and president of the Evans Law Group, proudly headquartered in downtown Rochester. U.S. News and World Report recently recognized the Evans Law Group as one of the best law firms in the United States and recognized Cam for the eighth straight year as one of the top lawyers in America in the field of employment law. Cam, what does this type of all-American recognition mean to you? Neil, it means our clients believe they receive outstanding value for the advice, counsel, and legal representation we provide. I founded the Evans Law Group with an emphasis on advising businesses on all facets of their labor and employment law issues, including conducting a broad range of in-house employment and human resources compliance seminars. This year alone, I have presented in-person seminars for my clients in Michigan, Indiana, Texas, and Utah. I am honored to have presented my seminars to a broad array of businesses, ranging from publicly traded companies to third-generation family-owned businesses. To learn more about the services offered by the Evans Law Group, contact CAM at 248-468-1485 or visit them on the web at evanslawgrp.com. Ascension is proud to welcome Crittenden Hospital to the Ascension, Michigan family. As part of Ascension, the Rochester community now benefits from the largest nationwide nonprofit collaboration of hospitals, medical practices, and innovators called to deliver compassionate, personalized care for all. In our hospitals and offices, you'll find the most advanced technology, plus doctors who listen to you and respect your needs. In fact, you or someone you love has probably been cared for by Ascension. That's because we serve one out of every eight patients in Michigan through health systems like St. John Providence in Southeast Michigan, Genesis Health System in Grand Blanc, Borges Health in Kalamazoo, St. Mary's of Michigan in Saginaw and Standish, and St. Joseph Health System in Tawas. Now as part of the Ascension family, Crittenden is stronger than ever. Michigan's future is healthier and getting better just got better. Learn more at Crittenden.com. Greg Campy Show live at the Red Ox Tavern. As always, the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. And Golden Grizzlies fans, don't forget about the giving challenge against Detroit Mercy. So basically what happens here is Detroit Mercy and Oakland University are teaming up to see who's going to give more. All you have to do is go to oakland.edu slash giving challenge. Now this is going on all week up until the game against Detroit Mercy. I know Tara Bergeron is here in the house with the, uh, the Oakland University side of it. They're in charge of running this thing. And Tara has told me, Coach, that Oakland has a slight lead in this thing right now. And it was pretty embarrassing. And, and how it all shakes out, whoever wins, the other team's mascot has to wear the other team's T-shirt at the game on Friday night in Callahan Hall. Last year, Tommy Titan beat Grizz. And we can't go, to quote Hall & Oates, I can't go for that. No, uh, no can do. So we can't do that. We can't have that happen again. All you got to do anytime this week, go to oakland.edu slash giving challenge, pledge a donation, and it goes off the total number of people that give. So whatever you can give, make sure you do that. Go to oakland.edu slash giving challenge. We have a slight lead right now, Coach. We can't lose it. No, we, you get credit for you if you give $1 or $50 or $5,000. You get the same amount of credit. So 
if you're feeling charitable and want to give, then give it. But if you're not feeling charitable, you can give a dollar. Yeah, give right? anyway. We're, call, we're calling on Let's bottom we, line this. We're calling on you. Yeah, we don't need Grizz wearing a Titan shirt. Uh, it's already embarrassing enough that we were, were beaten this year already once. And uh, we've got to. <laughs> you got to cap the embarrassment. Right? <laughs> we got to have the Grizz. <laughs> we got to have the Grizz wearing his own uniform we can't have him wearing that other thing so right so one more time go to oakland.edu slash giving challenge you can do that on your phone right now if you want to if you're here in the red ox tavern so do that so grizz doesn't have to rock the detroit titans t-shirt so coach speaking of rocking you guys had a rocking road trip with the win at youngstown state on thursday and then on saturday in what was and i'll go ahead and say it the ugliest basketball game that i ever saw during my time here at oakland but at the same time you, you've said this yourself. you got to be one point ahead, two point ahead, whatever it takes. It was very, very ugly, but mission accomplished. Would you rather play great and lose? No, absolutely uh, not. You know, and, and that's that's how you got to look at it. It's a long season. And, you know, we've been in a, in a bit of a funk, uh, but we found a way now to win three in a row, and, and two of the three that we won uh, were coin tosses. I mean, you, you we got a break against Milwaukee. Uh, kid missed some free throws. We had six seconds, though. You don't know what would have happened. Um, the the uh, if he had made the basket and you know we made the free throw, you don't know. Maybe we'd have gone down and buried one. Um, but we got fortunate and won that game. Then against Cleveland State, you know we got we blocked a, a putback at the buzzer to to win. It's the second time this year we've won a league game on an Isaiah Brock block at the buzzer although maybe Jalen blocked the one at UIC so but a block at the buzzer to, to save wins and you know those are the things the, the kind of breaks you need to, to compete and stay in this and um, you know now as you said it was ugly and we started good we made shots and then we just couldn't couldn't make shots and we just kept turning the ball over and that's really really been our Achilles heel in this time that we've played poorly is we've had three games with 20 plus turnovers and Hard to win basketball games when you have 20-plus turnovers. Uh, no question about that. I think the number was how many possessions did you have in the game, 66, something 60 like that? Possessions, 65 20, possessions. Yeah, we had 41 possessions where we got a shot up. Which is it's hard to You made it hard on yourselves, but, know. again, at, at the end of the day, it's it's a 100-50 win. It counts the exact same. Well, that's, why we, that's why we only had 53 points. We were just fortunate that the other team had 51. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to touch on the, pl the play of Isaiah Brock in the game against Youngstown State. He goes for 16 points and 18 rebounds, follows that up on Saturday against Cleveland State with another double-double, 14 points and 10 rebounds. He's a Horizon League freshman of the week. He's a Horizon League player of the week. And, and Coach, I talked about this with Gary Parrish, and I address this with you. Is Isaiah Brock the most valuable freshman in mid-major basketball? Well, he's, val he's very valuable to our team, and I think he's proved that. I think that while he was out and injured and uh, while he was, you know, playing injured, in those games, I think it was very apparent that defensively we're nowhere near what we are when he's healthy. I mean, we're we're giving up 39% from the floor through how many games have we played? 25? Through 25 games, we've, we're giving up 39% from the floor. That's three percentage points better than any team I've ever coached. That's significant. That's a, that's a lot. Significant number. And I think it has a lot to do with him. But, even, you know, we had Benson, who's one of the greatest shot blockers in the country, that even with him we weren't. Uh, now, we played faster. and Much more gave, possessions, right. right. But if you look at 
all the turnovers we've had and what's happening after we turn the ball over. And you look at the amount of runouts that, you know, uh, turnovers for touchdown, pick sixes, we call them. If you look up the amount of those that we've given up, uh, unprecedented amount of those, and let's say we had a game where we were, we gave up nine of them. And that team was nine. They actually missed one, got the rebound, and laid it in. So they were nine of ten. And you take the nine of ten off what they shot because, you know, I mean. They don't get those shots no, through the course right, of the Right, there's offense. no defense on that. So right. you take those nine of ten out. I mean, you, there's so many of those this year that that 39% could probably very easily be, you know, any team's going to say if we gave up all, took all our runouts. Instead of 39, we'd be 37. Well, for us, instead of 39, we might be 34, 33, because there's been so many. We've turned the ball over so much. Um, and hopefully, you know, Braylon's getting better at it, and our decision-making will be better at it. But, you know, we're we're 25 games into the season. I'm not sure that that changes now. I mean, you kind of are believe, what you are, right? Right. You, you are who you are, and we're a team that's going to turn the ball over, and we're a team that's going to not shoot it real well. And we're going to win because we can guard and we can rebound. And, um, that, you know, that's our calling card this year. And we've got to, we've got to push, to, push to the end now understanding that and fix it in the offseason, which I firmly believe we can fix because, you know, there's, there's a guy out there that's going to be playing next year that's going to be a big-time score for us. Absolutely. And, Coach, what about that? You as, as the coach, and look, You've won a lot of basketball games in your career, playing to a certain system, to a certain style. This year, things are different. This basketball team is different. The makeup of this team is different. How hard is that for you to adjust, or is it not hard at all? Well, if you if you really look at it, people don't. People's memories are are short, and if you go back, like right now, while well, you can't win at home, well, you're right. You're seven and seven over the last two years, but three years ago, we were undefeated at home in league play. And, and our scores were 68 to 67, 63 to 61. You know, we beat Green Bay here, I think, 59, 58 or something. Cleveland State, maybe 58, 55. Um, and that's who we were that year. And we, had, we were a team that, you know, we weren't that talented, but we had uh, Kay Felder and uh, Dante Williams would have some good games for us. And we had Corey Petros in the post. But we couldn't play fast because we didn't shoot it real well. And so we, we backed it down, and we won a lot of games. We, the last weekend of the season that year, we were on our way to Green Bay. And if we win and Cleveland State beats Valpo on that same night or the night before, we host the NSA, or we host the conference tournament. Well, Valpo beats Cleveland State. We lose, and we go from host, you know, a possible host to, First to third. the third seed. We tied Cleveland State for third. Green Bay passed us. So that's, we were that close. We were one game. That's how close we were playing 60 to 57 and winning all our home games. Well, we matured. Hooper, Hooper Found his got fit. better. Right. And we became a team that led the nation in scoring the next year. Well, I think this team's going through the same thing. And, and here's a stat. I, I was talking to my boss today, Jeff Coney, about this. Who's in the house tonight, by the way? Jeff Konya's yeah, over there. he's buying drinks for people who come out and say they came for the show. And he's got like a table of about 15 over there. I know. Like. I'm ready to slide over there pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, he's not paying any attention, though. But, yeah. you know, that's, I expect that. Um, <laughs> but what I said to him is if we win two more league games this year 
and I feel fairly confident that we can do that. It'll be, in the last 11 years, it'll be the 10th year that we've won 10 league games or more. And, and there aren't... Many... There aren't, 50, te there aren't right. 50 teams. There aren't probably 40 teams in the country that can say that. And um, we need two more wins to do that. But if you look at that, that 11-year span, the one year that we didn't win the 10 games, we had some injuries. We lost four guys before the season started. But more importantly, we had a freshman point guard. And that's what we have this year. What was that freshman point guard's name? Kay Felder. Oh, yeah. And, he, uh, he's continuing his basketball career somewhere, uh, isn't he? I heard, and, last I heard. And if it wasn't <laughs> for him leaving early and going to the NBA, we wouldn't have had one this year. We, and, and Braylon would have been able to be weaned into it. And then next year, you know, the pressure would have been on him. But the pressure is on him now, especially with Stevie's uh, injury. And then you also have, you know, we've tried to play Sharon at it and, you know, Sharon had nine turnovers against uh, Cleveland, Cleveland State. State, and I'm not throwing him under the bus. I'm playing a guy that's not a point guard out of position, and, and he's doing a one heck of a job for us. He's, he's, I mean, we're 18-7, and seven and he's had a lot to do with that. Uh, but we still, you know, freshman point guard, and, and we're two games away from that 10 number again. And, I mean, if, if I'm a fan, and, and you tell me, okay, over the next 11 years, we're going to go to a couple NCAA tournaments, but we're going to win 10, 10 league games every year, which means we're always going to be in the top half of the league. Even the year we didn't win 10, we finished tied for fifth. Uh, but other than that, we've been, you know, in the in the Horizon League, we've been third, second, you know, and hopefully we'll be in that second, third, first again this year. And then you go back to, in that, to the Summit League, we were first, first, second, third, fourth, third, second, first. We were always up there battling. And I, I think that's, as a fan, I hope that's what you want. Um, so I'm very proud of that, and we, we need two more to get to that. But the reason I'm saying that is the one year we didn't, we had a freshman point guard. Now, when Jonathan Jones was a freshman, we did win 10 league games. And hopefully with Braylon as a freshman, we're going to win 10 this year too. Uh, but that's how hard it is to do. Hey coach, since uh, men's soccer coach Eric Pogue is in attendance here tonight, I'll refer to this as the Horizon League table. Uh, that, that's what they call standings in soccer. They call okay. it a table. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll take a look at the Horizon League table as you guys sit. And I mentioned this to you in the postgame interview after Cleveland State. During a two-hour span, fortunes uh, certainly shifted for everybody in the Horizon League. We, we mentioned the fact that Valpo went up to Green Bay and lost that game. You guys got two big road wins. You sit at 8-4 and four right now. Valpo is at 9-2. and two. And, look, I, I know you won't say this. You're not the favorite to win the league, but you're in the discussion. You, you, in the poker world, they call it you got a chip and a chair. So you have a shot, which, uh, is, which is all you can ask for. I know that you're... I'm not into that poker world, so I'm not <laughs> sure what that means, but I do know this. And, and if you look at... I don't have a gin a, reference, yeah, gin a, rummy reference I could give to you. A conference schedule, you have to play it out because everybody's got to go to the same places. And now you get lucky or you get a break because maybe when you go to this place, somebody's hurt. Somebody's got a sprained ankle, not going to play. UIC lost Otley. He's, now he's coming back this weekend. And we're, we didn't when we played him, they had him. A bunch of other teams played him, they didn't have him. That that's you know a couple teams played us without Isaiah Brock, without Stevie. Clark, Clark. Right. and 
that's good fortune, but that happens every year. Um, but to me, Valpo's got the toughest schedule left. I mean, if I, in, I think people would argue that, but from a coaching standpoint. Yeah, go to some tough places. You got to go to Oakland. You got to go to U of D. We got to go there Friday, and, and they can beat anybody in the league. They've proven that. They beat us, and they beat Green Bay, and they played Valpo to a. They were down a, three with a minute and a half to go. At Valpo. So, you know, I think U of D's got talent. And whatever the reason is, they've struggled. I think their depth hurts them and they get in foul trouble. Whatever the reason is that they haven't been consistent doesn't mean on a given night they can't beat anybody in this league. Especially they at home. And they've proven they can. Right. So you got to go to Detroit. you got to go to Oakland. you got to go to Northern Kentucky. And you got to go to Wright State. So they've got to go to, you know, Northern Kentucky and Wright State are tied for fourth. We're third. And you got to go on the road to those games. We've already played all those games. Right. Green Bay's got to go to Northern Kentucky, and Green Bay's got to go to Wright State. And those are two teams that, you know, I mean, if, if Northern Kentucky and Green Bay sweep, I mean, Northern Kentucky and Wright State sweep Green Bay and they sweep Valpo, they're in the, they're in it. No question. And those kids know that. Now, can they do that? I don't know, but, <laughs> I mean, that, there's an opportunity, a, a, a chance for them to do that. So there's a lot of basketball to be played, even though, what is it, eight games, six games left, I think it is, six? Yep. Six games left, there's a lot to be played. We still have to go to, to uh, Wisconsin. Now, we swept that trip last year. Whether not we can many or, people do that. No, and, and Valpo did last year and we did last year, and that nobody has this year. Um, but one of the things about our team is we're weird. I mean, we're over <laughs> the last. Got a weird coach, too. Yeah, over the last two years, we're 7-7, we're seven and seven, I think, at home, and we're 14-2 and two on the road. I mean, it, Who it does is, that? It's just weird, uh, you know. So, for us, I'm not sure going to Green Bay, you know, I mean, I just, I think if you look at this and you look at your history of the last couple of years, you know, you got to feel, well, you have a chance. I mean, you got to take them one at a time, but you got a chance. Now, are we going to win out, you know, I don't, yes, we're going to do that, you know. I mean, well, we can sit there and say that. Would the odds makers say we're going to win out? No. No, they probably would. But is Valpo going to win out? With the games they have to play, could they lose two? Sure, they could lose two, and they could lose two and still be the best team in the league. They just—it's tough to win in league play. It's tough to win night after night, and it's tough to win in February. It really is tough to win in February. So we'll take our next break. When we come back, it's here. It's Detroit week again. Golden Grizzlies uh, looking for some payback. No question about it. Friday night at Callahan Hall. We'll talk more about that game as they look to avenge the loss here in the arena. Also, we haven't forgotten about your tweets as well. Send your last-minute tweets in with the hashtag AskCampy. We'll read those on the air to finish up the show. This is the Greg Campy Show. We're live at the Red Ox Tavern, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. I'm here with Cameron Evans, founder and president of the Evans Law Group, proudly headquartered in downtown Rochester. U.S. News & World Report recently recognized the Evans Law Group as one of the best law firms in the United States and recognized Cam for the eighth straight year as one of the top lawyers in America in the field of employment law. Cam, what does this type of all-American recognition mean to you? Neil, it means our clients believe they receive outstanding value for the advice 
counsel, and legal representation we provide. Through my 20-plus years of representing businesses with their labor and employment needs, I have had the privilege to work with numerous executives. In turn, executives have sought me out to represent them with their own employment and equity issues in various business ventures, including employment with portfolio companies owned by private equity groups. I negotiate executive employment agreements, equity award and stock option agreements, and, when necessary, severance agreements. To learn more about the services offered by the Evans Law Group, contact CAM at 248-468-1485 or visit them on the web at evanslawgrp.com. One company, one global vision. Leading the way in innovation, we are Hitachi Automotive. Hi, I'm Rick Curry, Director of Human Resources at Hitachi Automotive Systems in Detroit. Listen to what our people are saying about working at Hitachi. I like the teamwork and the ability to enhance my career. I love working with our great customers and suppliers. I appreciate the flexibility and the balance of my career and family life. I like working with and developing cutting-edge technology. And I love bringing that winning technology from the racetrack to your vehicle. Thanks, guys. Do you want to be part of our winning team? Check us out at greatengineeringcareers.com. And be sure to join us at the Chevrolet Detroit Belle Isle Grand Prix, June 3rd through the 5th, to cheer on Elio Castroneves, who will once again be driving the number three Hitachi Team Penske Dolores Chevrolet, featuring our fuel injection technology. Learn more at greatengineeringcareers.com. Hitachi Automotive Systems. Driven to win globally. Live at the Red Ox Tavern off the wall across the street from the campus of Oakland University. As always, the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. He is a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Happy to have you with us on your home for Golden Grizzlies basketball all season long. And coach, uh, this week, Friday night, Callahan Hall. Golden Grizzlies fans don't need to be reminded of it. They know <laughs> this week is Detroit week again. The Metro Series Rivalry Cup uh, action heating up in that. And coach, you guys are, are going there with some payback on your mind. Well, you know, Neil, I don't want to get into that. I, I mean, it's a big game for us. We just talked about we still have a chance to win the championship. And, uh, the, you know, it is your rival. It is, you know, every bit as important as any game you'll play during the season because it's your rival. But uh, there's going to be a huge crowd there. The, you know, they're expecting six, 7,000 people. They've got Dick Vitale coming back. They've got the 1977 team being honored, 40th anniversary of that. Hard to believe those guys are that old because – I played against those guys. Well, so the, well you're not that old. It's just no, those guys, I don't right? Get, I don't get how that's a 40th anniversary when I played against them because I, well, I don't. I, I must have been a teenager then or something. I don't know. Do, you were early enrollee. Yeah. So, um, I played against Durad and Long and Tyler and all those guys. So it'd be interesting to see them and compare how I look to how they look. I think that's what I'll be doing. But, you know, we we're, we're going to play Detroit. They came to our place. We were 14-3. and three. They were 2-whatever, and whatever, and, and they beat us. And, you know, we, we really, really panicked down the stretch. Uh, you know, they played a good game, and they were hanging around. And with about seven minutes, six minutes to go, they caught us. And in the last two minutes, they played way better than we did. And we we kind of rolled over and let it happen. And, um, you know, you, I, I give them all the credit in the world for that. Uh, for us, Hayes had a great game, 28 and 16. Um, Brock got hurt in that game. We were we were rolling along pretty good when Isaiah got hurt. He tried to come back in the second half, but he couldn't. 
and we really struggled to guard Jamal Jarrell Hogan. Jaleel. Jaleel, yeah. however you pronounce that. The Hogan kid, the kid that just kicked our tail. We struggled to guard him, and he, he had 39 that night, and I'm not sure since he's had 39 combined, but he uh, he just was a man out there on the floor that night, and um, I'm sure they're going to go to him, and he's going to try and have the same type of game again against us, and we're going to have to be a little bit better in guarding him. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, why didn't you double him? But we were ahead most of the game, and you know, I said that in the post-game press conference. You know, one of the things that Detroit does extremely well is shoot the three, and we guarded the three very well that night. Three for 20 they were. Uh, but to be honest with you, the thing that bothers me the most about this game is we've been the best defensive team in the conference all year. Our, our stats have proven that out. You know, nobody's going to ever admit to that, and I'm sure the Valpo people will say they're the best, and the Cleveland State people will say they're the best. And but statistically, if you look through the 25 games we've played, I mean, we still lead the league in field goal percent defense, um, points, done all kinds of different things. Detroit put 93 on us in our building, and that is not what we uh, – that's not what we're supposed to be. Now, it was 51-42 at the half, and we were breezing along, and, and we gave up 51 points in the second half. Uh, and that's not who we are. And I just want to get back to being who we are against them and guard them a little bit better and, and guard Hogan a little bit better. And if, if we can do a good job on McFoley again, I mean, he was one for eight from the three. Some of that was our defense. Some of that was just a, his, you know, not having a great night. Um, but they shot free throws that night very well. They're not a good free throw shooting team. They shot, what, 80% that night. Uh, they just played the game. Yeah, they played the game they had to play to beat us. And, you know, when that stuff happens, you pat them on the back, you walk off the court, you know, you walk off the court and you say congratulations to them and, and you move forward and, and you got to get better. You know, it still still comes down to three days in March for us. Uh, and that's what we, we did, you know. We, we just talked about that they just they beat us. You know, Coach, and everybody's going to talk about Jaleel Hogan and that's going to be the question you're asked 1,000 times uh, since the game and you'll be asked 1,000 times going into the game. But what are you going to do, too, about Corey Allen? He's proven to be a very, very talented freshman guard for that Detroit Mercy team. And he's a guy that had a good night, too. He was 7-12 from the floor, went for 17 points as a freshman. And I thought he was the emotional leader uh, of that team. I mean, that guy wanted to win that basketball game. We, we talked about Hogan. What do you guys do to contain Corey Allen? Well, I think Corey's a really good freshman. I mean, he's going to make the all-freshman team. I think he's got a chance to be the freshman of the year in the league. Uh, he's, he's, I think he's been named freshman of the week four times. Um, what you can't do is you can't let him get shots. And, you know, he, he got 12 shots in that game and only four from the three. And if we can if we can keep and maintain that, I'll be happy with that. You know, if we can keep him to just four threes, that means we run him off the three-point line. And, and uh, then we've done a good job of, of guarding him. And Martez has done a really good job this year of guarding shooters because of his length. You know, anywhere from the kid from northern Kentucky, and almost every team's got a designated shooter, good shooter. And Martez has really done a nice job. That's part of this 39%, you know. And they shot 38% in the first half against us, but they shot 60 in the second half. Then you know, that's, that's not who we are. And they shot 46 for the game, which is seven percentage points above what we give up and, and again I 
you can say we choked. You can say we were terrible on offense, and we were all that, but we scored 88 points in our building. And you, you, you should, should be good enough to win. You should not lose when you score 88 points in your own building, and, and I, that's all on me. Yeah, Coach, and you brought up some things uh, real quickly here before we duck this last break in here. Uh, you guys defensively, you have everything you need to be a good defensive team. You talked about you put Martez on a shooter because of the link. Sharon's been your primetime player. You put him on the other team's primetime score, and he's had a good track record in, in shutting scores down. Then you have the eraser at the rim and Isaiah Brock, and then you have Jalen Hayes, who, who's a, a constant rebounding threat. All the elements are that it shouldn't be surprising, I, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, that you are a good defensive team because you have all those pieces. Well, we've only all year long, we've only had two guys just go off on us for the whole game. We've had a half where a guy went off uh, against Nevada in the second half. They got that guard. An NBA that, guy, yeah. Yeah, and he went off and had a great second half, but we shut him down the first half. Um, the kid from Georgia in that game, Frazier, had 18 at halftime. We completely shut him out in the second half. Bugs did a great job on him. Yante so, Mayton struggled to score he, against you guys. Yante Mayton, who's an all-SEC player who had had 29 straight double-figure games, came in and only got six. And so we've done a really good job throughout the year of guarding the great player. Hogan had 39, and then the next game, Edwards had 32 against us. And in that stretch of a week, uh, we weren't really good on defense. But I will say there's a common thread to those two games, and that was a guy not playing <laughs> named Isaiah Brock. And and you can sit there and say, wow, that's an excuse, that's this. and you know, maybe it is, but I'm making it, you know. I am making it because I do think it had a major effect on our team when you don't have Isaiah at the at the rim. And, you you know, um, Hogan, Hogan had a really, really great game, but I, I would guess of the 39, 22 to 25 of them came in the second half. Not against Isaiah Brock. Right. And so, so we'll find out Friday night because Isaiah is healthy, and we'll find out Friday night if I'm right or if I'm wrong. But I – and that doesn't mean Hogan can't have 22 or 24, but I'm talking about a guy going off, you know. And taking Ed, the basketball game. Edwards averages 14 to 15 a game, and he had 32. Hogan averages 12 or 14 a game, and 39. You know, that's what I'm talking about. That's happened to us twice all year. We'll duck our last break in here, and we'll get to your tweets with the hashtag AskCampy. The final couple minutes of the show. And fans, don't forget, for all your Golden Grizzlies news, updates, and interviews, as well as the replays of this fine program, the Greg Campy Show, find the Golden Grizzlies podcast on your iHeartRadio app. That's powered by Hitachi Automotive, GreatEngineeringCareers.com, and your home for Golden Grizzlies basketball, Detroit's 1130 AM, WDFN The Fan. We'll take our final break, come back, get to your tweets at the hashtag AskCampy. This is the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. We're live at the Red Ox Tavern. I'm here with Cameron Evans, founder and president of the Evans Law Group, proudly headquartered in downtown Rochester. U.S. News & World Report recently recognized the Evans Law Group as one of the best law firms in the United States and recognized Cam for the eighth straight year as one of the top lawyers in America in the field of employment law. Cam, what does this type of all-American recognition mean to you? Neil, it means our clients believe they receive outstanding value for the advice, counsel, and legal representation we provide. My experience gives me the insights necessary to foresee unknown risk and to provide employers with strategic options to best manage their risk and to leverage opportunities that span the spectrum of on-demand HR issues that arise on a daily basis to strategic workforce planning to defending employers in court. 
I am grateful for these recognitions, but even more grateful for the trust and confidence our clients continue to place in my firm. To learn more about the services offered by the Evans Law Group, contact CAM at 248-468-1485 or visit them on the web at evanslawgrp.com. This winter, when Jack Frost starts nipping at your nose, nip him back with the world's first full line of all-wheel drive muscle power from Dodge, Durango, Charger, and Challenger all-wheel drive GT. The same iconic performance with three weather-defying forces of nature that know no boundaries. Now, when the elements put the freeze on traction control, we put the hammer down with the all-American muscle that sticks to the road like a tongue to a frozen pole. So go from sub-zero to 60 in our impressive all-wheel drive action vehicles and get ready to fly by the seat of your snow pants. Dodge, domestic, not domesticated. Well-qualified returning FCA U.S. employee lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2017 Dodge Journey GT all-wheel drive for $189 a month for 24 months with $999 due at signing. Tax title license extra. Call 1-888-4-DODGE for details. Requires dealer contribution and lease through Chrysler Capital. Current lease must end by 7-3-17. 25-cent charge for each mile over 20000 Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 228. Back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group, live at the Red Ox Tavern. He is a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Now it's everybody's favorite time of the program. We read your tweets with the hashtag AskCampy, and Coach will dive right in. Time is short here. We had an action-packed show. Uh, our good buddy Gary McCarrick says, Is James Beck ready to wear the bear next year, and what will he bring to Team 51? Uh, James is really, really good. In fact, uh, Izzo saw his team play the other night because he signed the center on that team and and he called me on the way home from the game and said man i just saw beck play and he was really good um and for you know the time to make that call is is he must have been really good so um he's long he's athletic he's six seven the thing i like about him is man he can rebound him and you know that's the one well we have two weaknesses on this team right now the turnover and point guard play uh, with turnovers and then the ability to consistently be a good defensive rebounding team and a good offensive rebounding team. I think we are, but we're not consistent at it. We're, on certain nights we are, and I think Beck will really help us with that. Uh, Kevin Verhelly checks in on Twitter as well and says, Coach, you, in the past you talked about a mystery game next year on the schedule. Is next year's mystery game home or away? I'm guessing that Oakland plays in Nike's Phil Knight 16 team event. But just go ahead and tell me. I won't tell anyone. Okay. I know we're not playing in that. I will say this. I tried to get in it. I tried. I I called Mark Hollis when that thing got announced. The AD at the Michigan State said, Mark, get us in it. Get us in it. But uh, obviously he couldn't do that. Uh, uh, I just, you know, I guess the, the hint I would give you is think new. Something new going on around here. Think something new. And you might be able to put a pencil to it. All right, so think something new. That's the uh, that's the answer to the question. Uh, Nathan Henderson tweets at us, says, Coach, any chance of you coming down to play Grand Canyon hoops in the next couple of years? Now, I, I'll give you the backstory on this. I was at the Final Four doing work for ESPN Radio last year in Houston, and we had Dan Marley on the show. And I, I, I worked him for you, Coach. I said, hey, all you got to do is come up here twice. Well, I, <laughs> I talked I talked to Dan. I quick story dan dan marley probably changed the the trajectory of my career because dan verbally committed to me when i was an assistant at the university of toledo and then in the last second he changed and went to 
Central so, Michigan. Really? I've never heard the story before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I recruited Dan Marley probably harder than any kid I ever recruited in my life. And then the last second, I think he decided he's from Traverse City and his family, he thought probably five hours wouldn't get to see him play as much. And, I mean, he was coming. I mean, he, they, they wanted a T-shirt. The high school coach wanted a hat, and they were going to announce it. And it broke my heart more than anything. So I told him, I said, Dan, you already broke my heart once. When are you going to come and play us? And we'd love to come down there and play because that, that's an unbelievable atmosphere for a mid-major. And so, it's, it's a European know. soccer crowd in that place. Yeah. So, I mean, it could happen. I, it's a long trip, and the next time we play Arizona or Arizona State, we'd probably throw that in there. Yeah, Coach, and like I said, I tried to work it in there, make it a two-for-one for you guys. He wasn't buying it. Nah, he yeah. isn't going to do a two-for-one. They want, they want a two-for-one with us going there. Hey, but, I, I did everything I could do for you, though, Coach. Uh, I mean, there's somebody that we should try and get in our league, you know. But I don't know if I'd want that because of how good they're going to be. This is their first year that they're NCAA eligible. Or maybe right. next year is. Uh, I'm not uh, quite they, sure. I believe they are this year. Yeah. Um, at Oakland U fan on Twitter says, Coach Brian Stewart, Golden Grizzlies alum on the PGA Tour, is paired with Huey Lewis in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Are you a fan of Huey Lewis in the news, and do you keep uh, keep a lot of tabs on how Brian Stewart's doing? Well, it, that reminds me of the Nickelback days, and I probably know Huey Lewis in the news is the same amount of songs I knew of Nickelback. Um, I didn't at least know that Huey Lewis in the News was a group or a singer. I, at least I did know that, uh, where I didn't know anything about Nickelback. So uh, am I a fan of theirs? Sure, I'll be a fan of theirs. I'm a big fan of Brian Stewart. He's, you know, he, he wears the Oakland University pennant, and, and every weekend, you know, he's been making a lot of cuts. He's been playing great. Um, yeah, I, I think Brian's going to have a great year this year, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm hoping that, we see him in a in a major on Sunday. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping for him this year that one of the majors on Sunday, he's on that leaderboard and they're showing him and and then the Oakland University logo is showing. And he'll get a crack at it this year, winning the tournament uh, earlier in the year last year, and he has that opportunity. He'll be in and the he, Masters. He, he'll be in all of them this he year. He plays in all four of them this year yep. because of his win. And, uh, I mean, a, a, what a win does for you on that. On the tour event is sets you free. Yeah, and there's no question about it. any yeah. final thoughts here, coach. As we wrap it up. No, I think next week we need to get to the tweets earlier because I feel bad that people tweeted in and we didn't get to them. So you know, we, I, we got to them keep, all. Keep, I believe we did. Now keep me my mouth running and and <laughs> let's get to the tweets. All right, coach. Friday night, Detroit and Oakland down at Callahan Hall. We'll have the radio coverage for you right here on your radio home for Golden Grizzlies basketball. Detroit's 11:30 a.m. WDFN. The fan. Thanks to everybody here at the Red Ox Tavern. Thanks to Gary Parrish from CBS for calling in and thanks to all of you guys the listeners and the tweeters we certainly do appreciate it until next week this has been the greg campy show brought to you by the evans law group live from the red ox tavern thank you for listening everybody well see you later the golden grizzlies podcast is powered by hitachi automotive systems and greatengineeringcareers.com the golden grizzlies podcast is your home to all your oakland golden grizzlies news updates interviews and greg campy's coaches show replays your home for golden grizzlies basketball is detroit's 11:30 wdfn the fan